From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here with my friend and colleague, Dr. Jeffrey Roach. How are you today, sir? Happy Monday, as we're recording. Uh, doing well. Wonderful. Thanks for joining. Glad you're here to help us interpret the jobs report from Friday. Uh, but before we go any further, I will mention that it is January 8th, 2024, as we are recording this Monday midday. Uh, it'll be Tuesday when you all listen to this. First, we'll take a quick peek at these lovely disclosures, and then we will uh, show you our agenda. So um, here it is. We're going to first start with just a recap of uh, of last week, which essentially is a, a bumpy start for stocks to 2024, although nice to see uh, some green on our screens here on Midday Monday. Next, key takeaways from Friday's jobs report. Uh, you know, it was an interesting week in terms of watching the bond market and how it reacted to the data. So we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, in particular, uh, interested in Jeff's take on on what the jobs the jobs report means for the Fed and the uh, Treasury market. Next, uh, the weekly market commentary this week is on China, uh, authored by our uh, colleague Quincy Crosby. So we'll look at the um, considerable challenges for China. Uh, and um, certainly a lot of them geopolitical, but also uh, economic as well. So um, check out that commentary on LPL.com. Great job by Dr. Crosby trying to boil down the, um, you know, the China situation in just a thousand words or so. Uh, and finally, it's inflation week. Probably could have said inflation week and earnings week. Uh, we get the CPI and the PPI plus the start of earnings season. So we'll give you a really brief preview, probably spend more time on, on earnings next week. So um, starting with the market recap, so, you know, it was a disappointing uh, week. The S&P 500 down 1.8%. Uh, um, that ended a nine-week win streak, which was disappointing. Also, uh, we didn't get the Santa Claus rally, that seven-day period, you know, five days at the end of the year, and then the next two trading days, uh, we were down about 1%. So no, no Santa Claus rally. I'll show you what that means in a minute here. Uh, we saw generally just risk off across the board, right? You saw more losses for NASDAQ and uh, the Russell 2, you know, down about four and about five, respectively. I think one theme to pull out here is that the stuff that didn't work last year is working this year and vice versa. So if you look at the sectors at the year to date column, you see, you know, healthcare, one of the worst performers last year, was, um, you know, up 2.1%. Uh, as of Friday year to date. And then, uh, you know, some of the biggest winners last year, the growth sectors. So that's your tech, your consumer discretionary, and then to some extent, con uh, communication services. Uh, those sectors have all been down year to date. The mega cap techs uh, generally have not worked uh, this year. So I think that's a theme. We're not necessarily going to make the uh, prediction that that continues. In fact, today, uh, the mega cap techs are bouncing back nicely, um, but it's probably going to be kind of a grind. Um, the, um, you know, those growth sectors that have done so well are a little bit expensive. LPL Research does favor those sectors uh, for the full year, uh, but we have seen, um, you know, value and maybe, um, you know, again, the sort of cyclical value that or defensive that didn't work last year is starting to work a little bit more this year. Uh, the only other thing I want to say here is that you're not getting uh, a lot of benefit from going overseas so far. 
uh, you know, you've got one to 2% declines globally in the major indexes. <clears throat> there, I guess Japan has held up a little better, but generally uh, it's been red everywhere. Uh, turn to the bond market, and this is where I want to bring Jeff in. The um, you know, bond market was down last week. I mean, I guess most of the damage maybe was done before uh, the jobs report. But, um, you know, what do you think really contributed to the move higher in yields? You know, that we had the Fed minutes, we had the ISM data, we had the jobs report. What what do you attribute that that move in, in rates to last week, Jeff? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of that could be attributed to uh, the, the first three trading days of the year. Uh, I, I cut out the uh, Monday, of course, which is a holiday, and Friday being a very volatile payroll day and an ISM services report day. So you, know, you had three days, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, perhaps it was coming off of, you know, how the markets were continuing to interpret that uh, confusing tone in the minutes, right? Participants are highly uncertain about the economic outlook. Although you could also say the minutes were slightly hawkish for those listeners that are also LPL advisors, uh, they'll see in our daily market update and uh, some of the other communications we've we've talked about that. So yeah, it is kind of funny, Jeff. When I look at this um, this slide, you know, the five day uh, includes last day of last year <laughs> because we only had such a short week last week. But uh, you know, a lot of that I think is is a trying to reset expectations. How aggressive will the Fed cut, and will it be somewhere in between what the Fed says they're going to do? versus what the market's expecting. The markets are probably uh, over-exuberant uh, on 2024 rate cuts, somewhere in the middle. And I think bond markets are uh, trying to adjust to, to where that's going to land uh, uh, throughout. And we'll see more of that throughout the, the, the coming months. Yeah, you, you know, oil was up a little bit last week. That might have been part of uh, the rate move to... Um, it certainly ties to the stronger dollar, which weighed a little bit on international markets. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to assign a narrative to a specific move in a short period of time. Um, but, you know, I think bottom line, we can't just ignore the Fed. Uh, not not quite yet. So um, here's uh, the S&P 500. You know, we came into the year pretty close to all-time highs. We had um, overbought conditions from a technical analysis position. That was a recipe for a rollover and that's what we've gotten you know pulling back about two percent um you know we think uh we can make a run at five thousand this year you know the high end of our target is 4950 uh but uh it you know it's going to be it's not going to be a straight line uh right this this um you know dealing with the fed and the potential for um the economy to slow in 2024 that's certainly our base case you know, could make for a little bit of a bumpy ride. We also have um, geopolitics and a U.S. election that could certainly cause uh, some volatility. So we still are confident in that outlook, uh, but just want to make the point that um, it's probably going to be bumpy, and you're going to, you know, maybe even have another attempt at at an all-time high and fail in the 4800s. the 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 good news, the good news here is, um, I mean, that's not all bad news. But the good news here is that the breadth has been pretty good, Jeff. Uh, you know, you see uh, almost 90% at these, um, uh, you know, above these positive, very positive momentum uh, indicators, you know, percentage above 50-day moving average, percent above 200-day moving average. These are very, very high. 
I mean, that could mean that we got to roll over or pull back a little more. Uh, but, um, you know, again, the good news is a lot of stocks and maybe the market's seeing this today as we're recording this on Monday that, um, you know, maybe the, some of the weakness was a little bit overdone and, um, you know, you're seeing a little bit of, of buying the dip uh, in those big cap techs. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you could also say the flip side is, you know, you look at that top chart, which is uh, the, the actual price uh, metric you know, perhaps the rally was a little bit overdone too, right? So you think about uh, coming out of Thanksgiving, going into the beginning of December, people were saying, hey, holiday sales are going to be gangbusters. And, when you, and it turns out, you know, at the end of the year, you realize, well, roughly speaking, if you include both November and December, consumer spending up 3.1% nominal. And then you think, well, wait a second, inflation was somewhere around the 3%. And perhaps when you account for inflation, uh, retail sales numbers uh, were not as robust. So I think you you could kind of look at both sides. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of investors are saying, well, well, maybe we were due for a little bit of this pullback. And uh, but certainly nothing to be worried about, especially as you highlight, when you look at the breadth of uh, of, of performance. Yeah, absolutely. Something that we didn't have, you know, all the time last year, mm -hmm. certainly. Um, so I, I mentioned that, uh, you know, the Santa Claus rally period was down. Uh, you know, it's always a little bit dangerous to look at these patterns and get too confident that they're going to play out again. But, you know, now that Santa didn't come, we got on average a 4% return for the year instead of 10 if Santa did show up. It's just one indicator. We'll see what happens in January. You know, the I mean, I guess the first five days of January, we're down too. We've also got the full month indicator. So, you know, these don't always hold, uh, but we are coming into the year kind of on shaky footing, uh, which maybe makes, you know, our forecast for mid to high single digit returns more likely than a double digit kind of a year. Uh, we'll have to see. So um, let's turn to the jobs report. Um, and Jeff, I put a couple charts in here just to show people the numbers in case they missed it from Friday. Certainly a lot of people taking vacation, maybe even some people snowed in. Um, so uh, we got 216,000 jobs for December. That was nicely above the 175 consensus. So pretty big upside surprise. Uh, and then the unemployment rate held steady. People thought it was going to be, or at least the consensus thought it was going to be up a tenth. Uh, and it was not. So still very, very low. So clearly the, the um, job market is healthy. Um, and then you see the average hourly earnings maybe too healthy, right? Because this was a, a little hot. The consensus was looking for 0.3. We got 0.4 uh, month over month, which um, translates into a 4.1% year-over-year increase in average hourly earnings. So, you know, actually, that's the second straight month of a little bit of an of an uptick. So, uh, Jeff, what are your, what are your key takeaways here uh, from the from the numbers now that I've set the stage? Yeah, uh, the, the the great. These are these are helpful. I think you know the challenge, of course, is trying to read past the headlines. Uh, that's that's one challenge, and of course, you also have to be very careful about just one month uh, readings. Uh, so you know, a lot of uh, market watchers do some type of three month average or six month average. When you average out those those monthly gains, uh, things are pretty steady. Uh, but the slowing trend is still there. And I think it's you know in the one, uh, you know un under one fifty. When you think about kind of some of those longer term averages, the average monthly gain, 
uh, softer than the 200 plus average gain that we were just seeing, you know, maybe a few quarters ago. Uh, I think the the thing that I'm highlighting uh, in some of the the notes that we're talking to when we talk to advisors, and that is, uh, we're we're seeing downward revisions for the previous two months. That's that's fairly normal when the economy slows. So that's kind of consistent with that narrative. What is the Bureau of Labor Statistics doing with those previous months numbers as more and more data come in? Uh, just just a reminder, by the way, when we talk about revisions, you know, a lot of people start you know throwing conspiracy conspiracy theories. Uh, revisions just means that um, you know the, the government collects, the Bureau of Labor Statistics collects data first couple of weeks. They have an estimate and seasonally adjust the numbers based on you know where we are, where we are in the year, right? Uh, you don't hire uh, a lot of uh, external painters for projects in January like you would in July. Uh, that's what we mean by seasonal adjustment. Uh, but you know, you you, you realize that as more and more data come in, sometimes it comes in after the initial print, hence there's revisions. Uh, so just wanted to uh, put that a little bit of a footnote here. Uh, so one of the uh, additional thing I think to think about as you think about what the 2024 job market might look like, we're definitely seeing lower job openings. The opening rates are slowing. Uh, we're also seeing uh, a little greater slowdown in private payrolls. So when you strip out government payrolls, uh, the 216 number, by the way, when you're looking at this screen, uh, that includes both public and private. Uh, private payrolls, of course, matter in terms of uh, productivity. I think we would all agree that you, you want to look at the productive sectors of the economy, what they're doing, uh, and some of the services, some of the goods producing areas, et cetera, uh, not necessarily just looking at what uh, what the government's uh, hire, hiring patterns are. Uh, so that's that's kind of the key takeaways. Labor market's cooling, slowing. That's good for the Fed, right? Because they were concerned about all the openings and not a lot of people looking for work. Uh, also want to highlight, uh, there, was, there was a pretty significant pullback in labor force participation, meaning people that are actually in the labor force, either working or looking, meaning there's just a lot less people looking for work. That's a little concerning. Uh, again, that's just a one month thing. So we got to be really careful uh, before we we build too much of a narrative around just one month's report. Economy slowing. Uh, and it also key takeaway, this is something that's somewhat positive for the Fed, meaning they can make that pivot, not be too nervous about a reacceleration of inflation, even though they're starting to talk about outright rate cuts in 2024. Yeah. And then Jeff, another um well, actually, before we get to another uh, theme that I know you pulled out of the jobs report, I just want to highlight this. The two-year movement, you actually flagged this first, right? The the initial reaction to the jobs report, which, you know, again, the average hourly earnings number was a little hot. We know the job creation number was a little hot, at least on the headline. The machines immediately sent the two-year yield sharply higher, right? What were we up? Seven bips, six, seven bips immediately. Then, you know, after people peeled back the onion, as I like to say, uh, look what happened. That thing plummeted on Friday, right? That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, 46 and, to 432, right? 14 bips. Yeah, that's yeah. So, yeah, so Joe, Jeff, you're you're highlighting there, right there in the middle of screen, January 5th. This is a, a three-day intraday chart, right? You see Jan 4, Jan 5, Jan 8. 
Uh, and so right there in the in the middle of the chart is the intraday yields on the two-year treasury. You're exactly right. Right after the 8.30 Eastern report, Eastern time, uh, you know, just absolute, uh, you know, massive spike. Uh, and then, of course, just two hours later or less, uh, you have another report saying, hey, wait, the job market in December was not as hot as that headline number suggested. Uh, and basically what what happened on Friday was the Bureau of Labor Statistics released a report on December hiring. And then the ISM survey re released a report on what purchasing managers in the services sectors across the country were reporting in December. Two very different contradictory uh, views. Hence, you see that right there in the yields. I'll just take a step back, Jeff. I think this is important for our listeners. Uh, this is one of the reasons why it's it, it's important to not only look past the headline, but also look at the bond market as you think about uh, at building those expectations for the year. Uh, bond market gyrations are very, very important. Uh, and maybe we could argue a little bit more important than some of the the uh, the movements you see just in stock prices. So bond bond markets are are key for building out those expectations. Yeah, certainly now the markets had plenty of time and 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 we're down right. But before the report uh, around four four now kind of in the mid four threes uh, on the two year. So and I just checked the Fed funds market and the um, the odds of a March cut are still about. 67%. They've been in the 60 to 70 range here for a while. So I think, you know, another takeaway is just that uh, the market's view of uh, the job, the bond market, at least view of the jobs situation has really not changed <laughs> despite all those gyrations. Yeah. Uh, so, so here's another theme, Jeff, you pull out, which is part-time relative to full-time workers. So um, what does this tell us? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's telling us here that businesses are uncertain on the outlook in the near term. Meaning, uh, you know, if if they have a decision, they 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 have a project to work on. They have a decision. Hey, I'm gonna, if I am I gonna hire someone full time to work on this project, and then you know whatever next project might come. I don't know what that is yet, but hey, we got a full time worker. The flip side is, hey, we got a project to work on. I have no idea what you know next quarter's business might look like for me, so I'm gonna hire a part time worker to get something done. Uh, when you when you look at the latest numbers, part-time workers relative full-time is slightly above where things were in 2019. Forget what you see in that graph in 2020 and 2021. For obvious reasons, a lot of unusual things were happening in the year 2020 and the sub subsequent year. Uh, you want to look at relative to pre-pandemic. And I think, again, just, a, just an illustration of looking past the headline, don't get confused, right? By by that initial print, uh, like the the bond market uh, showed us. Uh, so yeah, businesses, I think uh, are are communicating a little bit of that uncertainty, and it's and they're they're preparing wisely for a slowdown. Now, the next question, Jeff, is well, what what does that mean necessarily for earnings? Right, where where your world is as our uh, chief equity guy. And I think I think we would we would both agree that businesses have been preparing for a slowdown for several years now, right? Coming out of 2022, uh, and so perhaps you know, as the economy slows, businesses are in pretty good shape to manage through uh, that slowdown. But that's that's some of the the key uh, points wanted to highlight 
um, for our listeners on this one. Great. Well, we'll get to earnings here again in a little bit, but let, let's quickly cover uh, China here. Uh, just got a couple of charts from the weekly commentary on LPL.com, which we recently, I guess, redesigned. So LPL.com now has a research tab uh, and you can get to uh, you know a lot of our uh, podcast videos, commentaries, our blog. You can you know see that all on LPL.com. Uh, so this is up there now. Um, the, the several takeaways from the report. I mean, one is just that China's really struggled economically, especially in recent years, and that has caused dramatic underperformance. So when you do a really long-term chart like this, this is the S&P versus the Shanghai Composite and the Hang Seng, you know, which is certainly a China-heavy Hang Seng index. And you see here that the S&P 500, you know, really since the middle of last decade, has just, you know, blown away these other markets, right? By, you know, multiples of 100%. <laughs> so um, this is, you know, it's not a new story that China has economic challenges. Uh, it's been a significant drag on its markets, right? So you have the property, uh, you know, the debt problems of the property markets, right? You have shadow banking, right? Banks that are, or non-bank lending, I should say. Uh, continues to be challenged. The the reopening was expected to cause inflation and drive growth. It did not do really either. Um, so they're kind of stuck. You know, the um, Qu Quincy makes the point in the piece about how uh, President Xi at the end of the last year made a you know his annual speech uh, to his people, and he he was really pretty downbeat, which is a little bit uncharacteristic. Uh, they also delayed their. Um, their third plenum, their annual government officials powwow, which suggests that maybe there's some conflict there and they're really having a hard time figuring out what to do about their economy. They've been focused more on monetary policy, hasn't really done much tinkering around the edges. Um, so so it's just a really challenging economic environment uh, over there. And, uh, you know, that probably doesn't get much easier here in the near term. We'll see. They'll probably get more aggressive with stimulus um, but uh, for now, we still think caution is prudent in emerging markets broadly as an asset class and China, investing directly in China. Um, by the way, sort of arbitrary regulatory moves are another reason to be a little bit careful here. Um, you know, a few years ago, they nationalized the for-profit sector, and now they're it's very unpredictable how they're doing gaming regulations which has affected some of the big tech companies in China. Um, so, um, you know, Jeff, you just talked about how companies, when they invest in people, they want to have visibility and clarity and confidence, right? Well, that's, that's really hard to have for an investor in China. However, um, there are a lot of other pieces in the Emerging Market Index that look pretty good to us. So we continue to like Indi India and Latin America. So this chart shows you going back about four years, how strong the Indian and Brazilian and Mexican markets have been, right? Strong outperformance there, while the Hang Seng, we're just basically representing China with the Hang Seng market, has been terrible, <laughs> right? So, I mean, we're talking about, uh, what, 60, 70% um, gains in India while, while Hong Kong has gone down 45, give or take. So um, there are still opportunities to invest in emerging markets by country, this is why active management makes so much sense to us in, in the emerging world. 
and uh, these opportunities look really good. There's a, it's just it's not homogenous, I think is is the key. So those are some of the themes. Um, oh, I actually one other thing: Taiwan election coming up next week. So how pro you know whether the pro-China or pro-Beijing um, party wins or not will be. Um, I think a big determining factor in how worried the markets get about China. So we'll be watching that uh, very, very closely. So anything to add on that topic, Jeff? Yeah, I think um, you know, we've highlighted India the last several months, actually. Uh, just some of the you know the fundamental um, improvements. And now, granted, you know there's still some challenges infrastructure, infrastructure, for example. Uh, but you know some of the um, some of the the, the fundamental metrics coming out of India, India, uh, just kind of like Japan are uh, a couple of uh, countries that we've thought worth highlighting for investors. But you're exactly right. Uh, particularly in emerging markets, um, there is quite a lot of dispersion that um, investors need to be mindful of. Yeah, absolutely. So LPR research still underweight uh, emerging markets, but but like some pieces of it. For sure. Uh, so let's transition to the week ahead. It's it's a really busy week, Jeff, because the inflation data is always important. Uh, and then you get earnings season. So why don't you start with the economic calendar and then I'll make some quick comments on earnings. Right, right. So, you know, the the big one will be on the 11th uh, and 12th as well, a little bit. Uh, PPI's producer price index for those uh, wondering. But it's it's really all about the CPI, the consumer price index. And the, the overall narrative is, you know, we're seeing uh, convincing cooling in inflation. Uh, we're waiting to see what's happening with shelter, particularly rent and leasing prices, something we need to be watching uh, on that report, as well as some of the uh, services, particularly insurance. Some of those metrics are uh, a little bit frustratingly high. But uh, th this should be, you know, adding more uh, convincing support uh, that the the Fed pivot is certainly that you know that the pivot that happened in December is certainly something that uh, is a reasonable, uh, subtle shift in policy, and uh, building expectations for when that first rate cut will be. At this point, you know, a lot of market participants are thinking it's going to be March. Uh, certainly um, not you know, not a dead giveaway. Uh, perhaps uh, things might not start as soon as March, uh, but this this will be key. Uh, again, uh, look at some of the services metrics as well as uh, sh the shelter costs underneath that headline number that'll be re reported 8.30 Eastern time on the 11th. Very good, Jeff. And that ties into earnings, just like, you know, the jobs report ties into earnings. So I think... Um, Certainly margins are going to be important to watch, right? If we're going to beat expectations meaningfully. Right now, consensus is expecting S&P 500 earnings to grow 1% year over year in Q4. Uh, we get the big banks on Friday. So we'll start to get, you know, some information to, uh, you know, to gauge maybe how much upside or downside we might get. The average upside is three historically. So that points to about four. That seems to be a reasonable place to start. You know, the economic environment's been pretty resilient. So that, you know, speaks to maybe nice upside. Although the economic surprise indexes have pulled back a little bit recently. So uh, in other words, the economic data has not been beating consensus expectations by as quite as frequently or by as much as 
Uh, it had been in um, you know Q3 when we saw five points of upside. So you know maybe that's points to a little less upside. But the dollar's been weaker, so that points to maybe upside to international earnings translated back into dollars, right? And then we've also had um, some pretty healthy revisions from tech. In other words, there's optimism building that tech earnings will be pretty good or tech adjacent, you know, because some of the tech earnings are actually in other sectors. So that's a positive. But then we've seen healthcare earnings and materials earnings get slashed pretty aggressively over the last few months. So that's a little worrisome, right? So you've got, I think, headwinds and tailwinds. Uh, you mix all that together. And, you know, frankly, I'd be surprised if we did you know, something north of five uh, for earnings, but, uh, you know, maybe that four to 5% year-over-year growth rate range uh, is a, a reasonable place to be. Now, because estimates have been cut, um, you know, the expectations for Q4 earnings were about 7% uh, mid-year, right? So they've been cut or actually going into uh, Q4 at the end of Q3. So that suggests that the bar is low and can be cleared. I think actually margin expectations uh, might be a little bit too uh, conservative. So if we're going to get that three, four points of upside that we hope to get, probably going to be because margin estimates are a little too conservative, given we've had inflation come down, you know, labor markets cooled off a bit, as Jeff alluded to, that uh, might be good for margins. So, you know, feels to us like it's a pretty easy two, three points of upside, but maybe the base case should be three to four points. Uh, coming in, and we'll just have to uh, have to wait and see. So, those are my thoughts on earnings. Uh, the big banks on Friday are going to get a lot of attention. Uh, Jeff, any any closing remarks on um, on the earnings season coming up, or should we go ahead and wrap? Well, I, just a reminder for um, you know investors to consider the the case that things might still be choppy, right? As you're talking about earnings expectations still adjusting, uh, as well as economic surprise index. Uh, don't be surprised with a little bit of that choppiness we're seeing in markets. Yeah, historically, the economic surprise index has correlated well with uh, earnings beats and misses. So that's why I, uh, I highlighted that. And sure, it's not going to be an easy quarter, uh, you know, and, and certainly the next few quarters as, you know, we think the economy is going to slow. Uh, and um, you put that together with maybe the low-hanging fruit of cost pressures has already been picked, you know, sort of easing inflation, benefiting the cost side, e cooling labor market, benefiting the cost side. Maybe it just might get a little bit tougher. We're out of the earnings recession. We'll probably grow earnings five plus percent this year, uh, but it's it's just not a layup. It's still a tough environment. And, um, and, and that's why we think this year maybe will be more of a grind, you know, consistent with maturing bull markets. Uh, a little bit of a bumpy ride, but still, again, uh, up mid single digits, maybe mid to high single digits for the year. So um, thanks for bringing that up, Jeff. We always like to sort of connect, you know, the fundamentals and the economic data with with, with what we think it means for markets, of course. So um, we'll go ahead and wrap there. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. As always, um, it's great to be back with you uh, again for another edition of LPL Market Signals. I'm especially Please that I'm able to record this uh, in my home office and not from a hotel somewhere stuck in the nor'easter uh, that we just had up in Boston, which I had to drive through, unfortunately. 
on uh, on Sunday. So uh, with that, uh, everybody have a wonderful week. Jeff, thanks for joining. Uh, appreciate your insights um, You know, on the uh, job situation, China, earnings, everything else. Always great to be with you. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.